Open with me, please, this morning as we spend just a few more minutes together in the Word. I want you to find the book of Acts, if you will, chapter 3. And while you're looking for that, we're going to put Matthew chapter 11 on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, some verses we've been looking at together for the last couple of weeks, several weeks, as we've talked about entering the rest of God, receiving the rest, the gift of God's rest. And this is something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent. And have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. In verse 28, you see who Jesus wills to reveal the Father to. That's why he said, come to me all, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is revealing the Father to us through this invitation, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Man, that's a, that's a big difference between that and what people think of when they think religion, when they think God, and many people when they think Christianity. They think it's a heavier load. They think it's a bigger burden to carry. But what did Jesus say? Come to me if you got a heavy load. Come to me if you're carrying a big burden and I'll add to it. No, what will, I, what will he do? I'll give you rest. I like to call this the grace exchange. The grace exchange. And it's the exchange that you and I are supposed to be living life in and in the middle of with him all the time. Every day of our lives, It's supposed to be right here in this grace exchange. What is a grace exchange? Well, just between me and you, it's a bad trade. Not for us. For us, it works out awesome. But on his end, what's he saying? I'll make a trade. You come give me every weight, every burden, every care, Every heavy load that has been impossible to carry, that's been wearing you down, that's been beating you up, you give me all that and I'll give you rest. And we look at each other and go, okay, if you say so, I mean, doesn't sound like a fair trade, but if he's good with it, you should be good with it. That's the grace exchange. You give me your care, he said. I tell you what, he said, you lay it all down and I'll give you righteousness. You lay aside all that self-righteousness, which is nothing like filthy rags, he said, and I'll give you my righteousness. It's like a beautiful white robe to clothe you in. That doesn't sound like a good trade. It's a grace trade. It's a grace exchange. All of that grace for all of your faith. It's living in that exchange. And this is what he's talking about. And really it's what he's introducing to us. Come to me, he said, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Now we've talked some about this, but I want to remind you about what some of these words mean. What it means to labor. And you tell me if life has ever looked like this. To labor is to grow weary. To grow tired or exhausted with toil or burdens or grief. To labor with a wearisome effort. Not just to work, but to work in a way that just wears you out and you get to the end of it and there's nothing to show for it. That's called toil. And this is what he's talking about. But right on the other hand, he offers us rest, which literally means to cause someone or to permit them to cease, to stop from any movement or labor 
in order to recover and collect his strength. I like this word, to refresh. To refresh. Another, tra- another definition is to keep quiet. Have you ever just enjoyed some quiet? Oh, man. Quiet's one of my favorite things. Anybody else in here with me? You just love some quiet. Well, this is what Jesus is offering. This rest. He's allowing, permitting, causing us to cease from all our movement, to f- from all our labor, so that, listen, we can recover. So we can recover our strength so that we can refresh. We can be fresh again. Read this verse, but let's read it and put those words in there so we understand what he's saying. Come to me, all you who labor. Come to me, all you who have grown weary. Come to me, all you who are exhausted. Come to me, anybody who's been carrying burdens, who's been toiling, anybody who's got grief, anybody who's been worn out with their effort, come to me, he said, and I'll give you rest or I'll cause you, I'll permit you to stop. I'll allow you to stop. There are many people that aren't, that that won't stop because they think they're not allowed to just going, 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 going. Maybe we'll talk about this in the weeks to come, but Jesus mentioned it in Matthew chapter six when he was talking about the lilies of the field. You remember this? Look at the lilies, he said. He said, look at the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil, there's that word, or spin. Is that interesting to anybody else that Jesus said, look how they grow, and then he told you what they don't do? What they don't do is the key to their growth. Now, I don't think that book would sell very well. Some book that tells you all about growing, growing your business, growing your personal portfolio, growing your financial status and state. And it's all about what you don't do. People aren't looking for what not to do. They want to do something. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Give me the six keys to that, the 12 steps to this. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And the flesh doesn't like this stopping It's not good at it. But Jesus said, look at the lilies. Look how they grow. They don't toil and they don't spin. Man, that's a great word that I think describes a lot of life for a lot of people. Spinning. They wake up in the morning and as soon as their feet hit the ground, what is it? Spinning, spinning, spinning. Over here doing this, over here doing that. And it just seems like a whirlwind throughout the day. As soon as they're up, those eyes pop open. It's get the kids up, get the kids ready, get the food on the table, get the kids out the door, get yourself ready, get yourself to work. Work all day, work all day, work all day, work all day. Take a 15 minute lunch break. Work all day, work all day, work all day. Spinning all the way to the car, spinning all the way home. Get out and you get home and what are you? Refreshed? Uh Uh-uh. Exhausted. From what? Spinning. Spinning. But would you be surprised to find out that the spinning is not helping you grow? The spinning is actually maybe what's keeping you from growing. In any area. Spirit, soul, body, materially, financially. Look at the lilies. They grow, but it's not by toil and it's not by all this spinning around in circles. He said, so come to me. I'll, I'll let you stop. I'll give you permission to rest. I'll let you recover and collect your strength. I'll, I will refresh you. And that's why you see this in, in the amplified version of that. Put that on the screen for us. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 and 29 in the amplified classic Bible. Look at this with me. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. See, that's what religion had done to people. It had overburdened them. And what did he say? I'll cause you to rest. Now look at these words. I will ease and relieve and refresh your soul. Say those with me. I will ease and relieve and refresh. Same again. Ease, relieve, and refresh. That's what this offer and this invitation to rest, that's what it really is. 
It's an offer to ease. It's an offer to relieve. And it's an offer to refresh. Thank you, Lord. Anybody in this church willing to take him up on this offer? Well, the book of Hebrews says, and we've looked at it, that there remains a rest for the people of God. And he says, let us, let us fear lest we fall short of it. In other words, there are people of God that are not entering into his rest. I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be a people of God that do, that does enter in to his rest. And we've looked at that verse and we find out the only thing that, that can really keep you out of that rest is unbelief. It's, it's belief, it's believing that causes you to enter into the rest. It's unbelief that causes you to live on the outside of it. It's not taking God at his word. It's not trusting him. That's the only thing that can keep you out of rest and keep you spinning. Why would you be spinning? Because evidently you think you are the source. You think you are the supply. You think you are your own God. That's why you would spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. But faith is a rest. Faith is confidence. Like we've said before, every one of you right now are demonstrating exactly what I'm talking about. You came in and when, when I said you may take your seat, what'd you do? You didn't sweat about it. You didn't worry over it. You didn't say, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. When was this chair made? Has the quality guarantee expired? Can I see the report on this chair, please? But you sat down, you rested. Faith does that. Faith is a rest. Well, I thought faith was a fight. It is. It's the fight to enter into the rest. And it's the fight to remain at rest. But it's a rest. Faith is a rest. Again, look at this out of the Amplified. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, overburdened. I'll cause you to rest. I will ease same with me. Ease, relieve, and refresh your soul. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, meek, humble, lowly in heart. You will find rest. What is, re what is rest? Relief, ease, refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet. Oh, the blessed quiet. You'll find this for your soul. I want to focus in on one of these words this morning, although it's connected to all of them. He said he would ease, relieve, and what? Refresh. Is there anybody in this room in need of a refreshing this morning? How can you tell if you need a refreshing? Well, let me see all the hands of the human beings who currently inhabit planet Earth. Can I see those hands? Uh, yes, I see that. Leave those hands up. Leave those hands up. Look around you. If a hand is up, they're in need of a refreshing. If a hand is not up, let us know. Because we've got visitors among us. If you got human blood coursing through your veins, if you are alive now in this time, 2022, living in this current climate, in this culture, I guarantee you need a refreshing. You need a refreshing. We all need a refreshing. You got to have it. Why don't you say it? I need a refreshing. Do you know, it's not just a matter of needing it. There's something on the inside of us that craves it. There is something on the inside of us that loves things fresh. And I mean, I'm talking about everything from the foods you eat to your relationships with people. Most importantly, your relationship with God. You crave a freshness, right? You pick fresh over old every time. You pick fresh. I mean, think about the foods you eat. If somebody offered you this cool, crisp apple, freshly picked, or this one we found that we bought six weeks ago and it was in the corner of a cupboard and it's just brown and flies circling it and all mushy and nasty. What do you pick? Fresh. Don't sit there and look at me like that. You pick fresh. I'm not trying to trick you. You want fresh. I want it. We pick it. We crave it. We desire fresh. I, I like to give this test. Any coffee drinkers in here? Yeah. 
What do you prefer? Fresh or day old? Huh? No, you want that stuff fresh. You want it with all the punch that it's got. You want fresh. Sarah and I found a restaurant one time years ago on vacation. And a beautiful place, gorgeous. It's, it's on an island and it looks out over the ocean. And uh, they serve, of course, a lot of seafood. But we'd never been before. And they, you know, a lot of times a waiter or a server will come and say, have you ever dined with us? No. Well, let me tell you about our restaurant. And they started telling us about it. And this restaurant actually either owns or is in cooperation or something with a farm locally on that island. And much of what they serve, they aim to get, now this would be their produce, to get from the farm to your table in less than four hours. Now, I don't mean that's how long you wait for your food. I'm talking <laughs> that that's how fresh what they're serving you is. Now, I have been some places where you, it seems like you wait four hours. That's not what this is. They serve a lot of seafood and they like to tell you, yes, we caught this today right there. Somebody say fresh. And you can tell the difference, right? Well, that's food. What about friendships? What about relationships? What about our marriages? We have something in us that craves freshness. We don't like when relationship gets old and stale and dry any more than we like when dinner is old and stale and dry. We don't like when our friendships have become lifeless and unproductive. We don't like that. And worse than that, we don't like when our friendship and fellowship with God is anything other than fresh and it's old and it's stale and it's habitual and it's going through the motions. But here's what we got to recognize. If that's how you're feeling about your friendship with God, don't assume he's enjoying hanging out with you either. <laughs> he ain't loving it. Where do you think you got the desire for freshness? Huh? Where do you think that craving for something fresh and alive came from? It comes from him. It is a God-born desire in every one of us. And we desire a freshness. Now, where people make a mistake, especially in friendships, relationships, or in marriages, worst of all, I'd say, when something's not as fresh as it used to be, they think it's time to find something new, find something different. Why? Because this, is this isn't fresh, this is old, it's stale, it's dry, it's boring, so I need to go find something different. That's not what you need to be looking for. You need to find a refreshing. And that's the miracle that Jesus is talking about here. That something that used to be fresh and has gotten dry can be made fresh again. Am I telling you to get fresh with your spouse? Absolutely I am. Yes. Keeping it alive, right? There is a miracle of refreshing that's available to us. But we got to know where to look. I said, we got to know where to look for it. And this is the, the problem the world has. They look everywhere, but the actual place it's found. And where do we look? Well, the revelation of the invitation comes in these words from Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. Now, when he said that, he was standing somewhere in the flesh on earth and inviting people into his presence. And if you at that time were going to receive something from Jesus, that's where you had to be. If he was in Capernaum, guess where you had to be if you're going to get something from him? Capernaum. If he was in Galilee, preaching, teaching, healing, and you were going to get preached to, taught and healed, you had to go to Galilee. You had to be where he was. If he was out on that boat, you needed to be standing on that shore. Come to me was this invitation into his physical presence. But how are we to read it? Because we don't have him physically standing here. Does this scripture not apply to us now? Or, or is this still an invitation into his presence? It's still the same thing. And actually we have it better. I know that's hard to understand. His disciples struggle with that too. He said, it's better for you if I go away. If I'm one of the 12 standing there going, wrong. 
You've been right about a lot, but you're wrong about this. It's not better for me if you're gone. And yet that's what he said. It's better for you if I'm not physically here. Because if I'm not physically here, I'll give you the comforter, the Holy Spirit who's in you to bring you into my presence. That's still where the rest and the ease and the relieving and the refreshing is found. It's in his presence. Come to me, he said. Come here. That's how we say, hey, come here. Come on over. You pick up the phone and you call somebody who's not in your presence and you say, hey, can you come here? Can you come over? Yeah, I'll be right there. What have you done? You have invited them into your presence. That's what this is from Jesus. An invitation into his presence. Now bring this up because we talked about it last week. You remember, you remember when God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he talked to them about a promised land and it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. And he told them later on there'd be houses there filled with all good things that they didn't fill. There'd be large and beautiful cities that they didn't build. There'd be wells that they didn't dig out. There'd be vineyards that were already producing. Sounds like rest, right? Sounds like rest. You're moving into a place that's already done, already built. You don't got to do a thing. That's rest. And that's why he called it in Hebrews 4, my rest. And in the book of Psalms, my rest. This place is my rest for you. And he wants to bring these people into it. But they were so stubborn. They were so hard-hearted. They were so disobedient. But we can't judge them, can we? We have been the exact same way. And it was their unbelief that kept them out of that rest. And God got so fed up with it. They finally told Moses, look, y'all go, I'll give you an angel. I'll get everybody out of there. You can have the houses. You can have the cities. You can have the wells and the vineyards, but I'm not going. But what did Moses say to him? He said, I thought I found grace in your sight. What is this? Allow me to paraphrase here. What's this business about you not going? And he talked to the Lord about it. And he said, please consider where'd your people? And the Lord said to him, okay, my presence will go with you, my presence, and I will give you rest. See, they could have had all the stuff, but without his presence in it, there would have been no rest. And that's why Moses looked back at God and said, good, because if you're not going, don't bother bringing us out of here. Remember what we said last week? What was it? If he ain't going... We ain't going. That's the decision that you and I have to make too. If God's not in it, I don't want any part of it. That's not prosperity. I don't care how big the house is. Huh? I don't care what kind of vineyards are producing. I don't care what kind of money and profits coming in. If God's not in it, that is not prosperity. And if he ain't in it, I ain't in it. Don't bother bringing me up from here. If you're not in that, if you're not going with me out of this place. What Moses made the connection was his presence And maybe the Lord helped him see it. Without his presence, there is no rest. You can have stuff, but if he's not in it, there's no rest. It'll be nothing but work and toil and more spinning. His presence is where the rest is found. And that's why Jesus is saying, come to me. It's an invitation into his presence. Did you find Acts chapter three? I hope so. That was 23 minutes and 30 seconds ago. (laughs) Acts chapter 3, look at verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter is preaching. And he says, repent. Is repentance a New Testament concept? Oh, wow, that's weak. Yeah, it is. It's for the New Testament believer. Repent, he said. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, without even taking a show of hands, I bet everybody, if not nearly everybody in this room already knew without me reading Acts 319 to you, that that's what happens when you repent. You knew that, didn't you? That when you came to Jesus and you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you repented of sin, what happened? They were blotted out. That means they weren't just covered, they were washed away. Like they never existed. Glory to God. This is more of that grace exchange I was telling you about. You, when you repent, 
You knew this. This is as basic. This is as 101 gospel as it gets. You repent. He forgives. Washes away your sin. Makes you white as snow. Gives you this gift of righteousness. Not your own, again, like we said a moment ago, but his righteousness. Say it out loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but how'd you get that way? Repentance. It started with repentance. And you entered into that rest through repenting and believing in what Jesus has done for you. But listen to this. He said, again, look at it, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. But that's not where he stopped. So that times of what? Refreshing may come, but come from where? The presence of the Lord. Again, there you see the rest, the easing, relieving, and refreshing is found where? The presence of the Lord. Now, we all already knew that when we repented, our sins were washed away. But did you know that this refreshing is as much a part of your salvation experience as your sins being washed away? Yet we're not talking about it like it is. This is supposed to be as basic as it gets. That when your sins are washed away, what takes place next? Refreshing. Refreshing. Say it again. I need a refreshing. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you need some rest. I can tell by looking at you. You need some rest. You, you need a refreshing. Okay, great. Where do I get it? Huh? Where do I get this refreshing? If I've been worn out by life, if I've been fatigued and exhausted, if I have just, just been worn down to the bone with everything going on, worn out by what's going on in politics, worn out by what's going on in culture, worn out by what's going on in Hollywood and the entertainment world, just worn out everywhere I look. It's like we're getting beat up and beat down. And if it's just wearing you out, yeah, okay, good. I need a refreshing. Point me in the direction. Where does the scripture point you? To the presence of the Lord. That's where it is. And that's where you're going to have to go to find it. It's not in the arms of another lover. It's not at the bottom of a bottle or a bottle of pills. It's not by trying to check out and watch endless hours of television and movies and streaming you can't find the refreshing that you need. I'm going to tell you something. We all need it. And when I say we, I mean me. I have been at this place in ministry before. Ministry, this is doing something good. This is doing the call of God on my life, right? And get home from traveling, come in from the road, maybe an international trip where we've been gone two weeks and you spend a day and a half getting home exhausted. And I think, man, I just need a refreshing. But instead of looking to the presence of the Lord for it, just turn on the television, turn on the iPad, turn on the entertainment and do that for a few days. I just need to check out. I just, I just got to check out. I finally had the Lord tell me something about that one time. He said, Jeremy, what's the difference between you watching TV for three or four hours trying to check out and some guy who stops at a bar on his way home every night and tries to check out with, with, a, with a bottle, with alcohol? What's the difference? This is the Lord telling me this. What's the difference? And I said, liver damage? I don't know. <laughs> And then I've got this great revelation. This movie I'm watching is doing nothing for my liver. So there really is no difference. Be careful. Be careful looking for the refreshing anywhere but the presence of the Lord. Are you with me? That's the only place it's found. And when you're in it, you get refreshed because you're with him. And you're receiving of him. You're getting what he's got. Man, I saw this this week. 
You ready for this? This is cool. The Bible's so cool. If you don't know that, you're not reading it right. It's so cool. Do you remember back in the book of Genesis when the Bible says that God, well, let me say this to you first. You need to see this. This is that same verse in Acts out of uh, the Amplified Bible. Put this on the screen for us. He said, so repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing. Now he's going to tell you what refreshing means of recovering from the effects of heat. That's what refreshing means. And you knew that, didn't you? Recovering from the effects of heat. Heat has an effect on you. And if it's hot enough and you stay out there long enough in it, it can knock you down. It can knock you out. And what you need is a refreshing to recover from the effects of heat. He says it's reviving with fresh air. So this refreshing that he's talking about, the picture that he's painting is somebody that's exhausted. I mean, you take somebody like one of these professional athletes, basketball, football, baseball, whatever. One of these guys or girls who is at the top of their game. And I'm I'm telling you right now, we're watching people in sports who are among some of the best that have ever done it. But have you ever noticed this? You're watching a basketball game and that starting five is out there and that guy's playing and man, he's good. It just seems like he can't miss He's got the talent. He's got the gift. He's got the ability. He's better than anybody else on the court. But if you notice, there comes a time where coach calls a timeout and sits that guy down. Wait a second. What are you doing? This guy's awesome. Keep him on the floor, right? Keep him out there. Why, what, why doesn't he just play all day, every day? Huh? If he's that gifted, if he's that talented, that able, why don't you just keep him in the game? Because he can't, no matter what the gift and the ability is, you cannot operate at the highest of levels nonstop. You got to have a break. So he sits him down so he can get what? Refreshed. Recover from the effects of the heat. They're out there sweating. They're pouring sweat. It's hot. Heart's pounding. He needs a minute. Anybody ever needed a minute? Give me a minute. Just give me a minute. So that what? Get some refreshing. To refresh is to recover from the effects of heat. Now this is what I saw that was so cool. In the book of Genesis, don't turn there. We may have this up there for you. You remember it says in chapter three that God would come and walk with them. His presence was in the garden with them. Do you remember this? Genesis 3 verse 8 says that they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence. So God is there. His presence is there. And he's walking with them. When? In the cool of the day. Now the New Living Translation says it like this. When the cool evening breezes we're blowing. So this is the question that hit me. Did God walk with them in the cool of the day? Or was it the cool of the day because he was walking with them? Do you understand what I'm saying? Was there a cool breeze blowing and God said, now's a good time for a walk? Or was there a cool breeze blowing because of his presence? I submit to you that it was because of his presence. There's a recovery from heat. And we looked at it last week, but this is why God said to Adam just a few verses later, because you've disobeyed me in toil, you will eat of the ground and it will be by the sweat of your brow. Why do you sweat? Heat. In other words, no more of my presence. And you will be sweating and suffering from the effects of heat all the time. No refreshing. No recovery. Thank God for Jesus. And this invitation into it back, back into his presence. Thank you, Lord. Times of refreshing, recovering from the heat. Where are they found? 
in the presence of the Lord. But let me add something to this. I've got several verses here for you. I don't want you to turn to them. Let's put them on the screen. You relax. Can you relax a little? Listen to this. I found this this week. Brand new scriptures. Maybe just new to me. Second Corinthians chapter seven. Verse five says, this is Paul writing to this church. He says, indeed, when we came to Macedonia, notice what he said, our bodies had no rest. When we came, we had no rest. Why? He said, we were troubled on every side. And then he goes on to tell you about it. Outside were conflicts. This was a dangerous time to be a Christian. Outside, going on outside of us, conflicts, fights, religious fights, governmental, political fights all the time. Inside, he said, were fears. He's being honest with you. Fear got in. So because of what was going on inside and because of what was going on outside, he said, there was no rest. There was no rest, no rest for our body, no rest on the inside, no rest on the outside. And you might think, oh, I know what you need, Paul. You need the presence of God. And of course, that would be true. That would be right. But listen to this. Outside were conflict, conflicts. Inside were fears. Our bodies had no rest. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. How? By the coming of Titus. Huh. What did God do for Paul in response to his lack of rest? Oh, I know what he did. He just manifested himself all over that place, right? Because in the presence of the Lord is refreshing. Well, that's true. That's right. But how did God comfort the one who needed comforting because of the conflicts and the fear? He sent a person, a guy named Titus. He said, we were comforted by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. So we were comforted by him and he was comforted by you. And we were comforted by the fact that he was comforted by you. And what, what was all this in response to? We had no rest. We had no rest. So what did God do about it? He sent Titus. Titus brought comfort. Titus brought with him consolation. And it goes on to say in verse 13, therefore, I like this, we've been comforted in your comfort. Man, everybody's just all comfortable. Everybody's got comfort coming out every place. I got comfort over here and you're comforting and this is comforting and oh, God is so comforting and comfortable. And, but how? We rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus. Listen, are you ready for this? Because his spirit has been by God? Oh, Titus got into the presence of the Lord. Okay, but, but more detail, please. His spirit has been refreshed by you. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I, I thought it was the presence of the Lord. You're saying it's my presence with you, your presence with me? Listen, it's both at the same time. Do you not know that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You carry this presence with you. And did you see what it did for Paul? Paul, the one who God called and anointed and chose to, to pin two-thirds of this New Testament to establish these churches. Here's somebody who needed some comforting. So what did he do? Oh, he just manifested in his room and there was this vision of Jesus at the foot of the bed in the midnight hour. No, he sent Titus. He sent Titus. And man, it comforted, comforted him. And then he says, we were exceedingly, uh, rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus. Why was Titus so joyful? Because his spirit had been refreshed by you. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I'm not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in the truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. His affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling you received him. 
another person has the ability to be the refreshing that you need. You have the ability to be the refreshing they need. But did you see what it comes down to? How you receive them. How they received Titus was so refreshing to him. And I think I understand that. Spending 10 plus years traveling together with Sarah, man, we've been in churches and places around this nation, around this world, and what a difference it makes how somebody receives you. We have been to places where there was so much honor, not just for us, but for the Lord. So much thanksgiving, so much gratitude. People open up the door and people are ready. They're excited. They've been praying. They're ready for the word. And on the other hand, we've been to some other places. And what people don't recognize is how you receive a person makes all the difference in what you receive from them. And we went into places where they probably thought, man, this guy can't preach for nothing. And they were bored and I was bored. But I remember one time we flew all day to get to a place. Justice was little. He's a baby. We've got him in tow. We've got bags upon bags. And Sarah was traveling at that time with a big keyboard. She'd set up and play and worship in a church service. And we showed up at a place and the, the young pastor and his wife, I think it was the pastor's son maybe, he came walking in, which was not unusual. You know, a lot of times pastors would pick us up and take us where we need to go. But I just remember he came walking in. We'd been there a while kind of waiting. And he said, uh, listen, just take the hotel shuttle. Uh, they'll take you to the hotel. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, do you want to come by in the morning and pick us up for church? He's like, no, just tell the hotel what time you need to be there and they'll give you the shuttle ride there. I was like, okay, well, come to find out the shuttle didn't even start running until after first service has started. So I'm making my own transportation and these are little things, but listen, when you're traveling all the time, it, it makes a difference on how somebody receives you. I'm not some diva that has to have a stretch limo at 72 degrees on the inside just right. That's not what I'm talking about. But the way somebody receives you, it makes all the difference on what you're able to get. Can you be refreshing? They refreshed Titus by receiving him. Listen, he goes on in, um, here in the book of Philemon, chapter 1. Paul writing to Philemon, he says, We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. He said in verse 20, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Isn't this awesome? That we have the same ability to refresh, the same kind of refreshing that we get out of the presence of the Lord. We can, and might I add, should be getting from the presence of each other. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said in verse 16, he said, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Man, that's got to be refreshing. When Paul gets put in prison and all his church friends were like, uh, we don't know him. Yet he's got this other guy who's not ashamed of the chains. Now that's refreshing. Somebody who won't bail on you just because things got tough for you. Just because your reputation might be in the drain, so to speak. People telling lies about you, falsely accusing you. And everybody else bails. How refreshing is it to have somebody that's standing right there with you, that loves you? He said, he often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously. He found me. He said, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me. When Paul used this word refreshing, he was talking about a recovery of breath. Catching your breath, like a breath of fresh air. So the question I want to put to you this morning in the last couple of minutes here is, we know what we get out of the presence of the Lord. We know what we can get a refreshing from his presence. What are people getting out of your presence? What are people getting out of my presence? When we're with somebody, a group of people, we need to ask ourselves, what state were they in before I got there? And what state are they in when I leave? Hmm? Am I refreshing or am I exhausting? Huh? 
Because we know what we get from the presence of the Lord. I just got to know what am I going to get out of your presence? What are you going to get out of mine? And all you have to do is ask this question of the scriptures. Okay, if his presence is refreshing, which we know it is, what is it that's in his presence that's refreshing? And just do a little bit of study and you're going to find out some things that are indicative and descriptive of the presence of the Lord. You know, the psalmist said, in your presence is the fullness of joy. That's what makes his presence refreshing. There's nothing but joy in it. There's nothing but joy in it. He said, in your presence is so much joy that pleasures are at your right hand forevermore. When I'm with you, there ain't nothing but joy in there. That's what makes his presence refreshing. What about yours? Huh? Because the same thing that makes God's presence refreshing is what makes your presence refreshing. But if what's in God's presence is not in your presence, then your presence is not refreshing. It's exhausting. It's the fullness of joy in your presence that refreshes people because they live in a world and at a time where it's depressing out there. It is so depressing out there. There is so much junk going wrong. There is so much stuff happening bad. There's so much evil in the world. And when they get around you and all you do is talk, talk, talk all the bad. Talk about what's going wrong. Talk about things that aren't going right. And listen to me. There are people that can find something bad. No matter how much good's going on, give them a chance. They'll find something bad. They'll find something to complain about. And you know what that is? It ain't refreshing. Come on, church. Listen, are you hearing me this morning? We have, oh, we've got this, this God thing that no other created being and no, no unborn again person has. We've got the ability to be as refreshing to somebody as the presence of God himself. But what's in his presence has got to be in ours. And if you find the fullness of joy in his, what should be in ours? The fullness of joy. When you come into a place and they were all depressed about politics or about whatever's going on in their world or the world. And you come in with something good to say. With a smile on your face and a reason to be thankful. I'm not talking about shoving this stuff down somebody's throat. I'm just talking about having a different outlook and a different attitude than every unbeliever in this world. Your joy will be refreshing. Your complaining will be exhausting. When people are doing good, having a good day, and Debbie Downer walks in and just finds something to complain about, finds something going wrong, and leaves the room, that person who was happy 12 minutes ago is like, jeez... I'm exhausted. I'm so depressed. How were they before you got there? How were they after you left? If his presence is refreshing because of the joy that's in it, so will yours be. And you know this, what do we get out of rest? We get our strength back. That's why that coach sits that player. All right, buddy, take five minutes. Get some of that strength back. I need you. That's why we rest. That's why he allows us to pause, recover that strength. Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If joy is your strength, what's sadness? It's a drain. It's weakness. Don't be taking that into people's presence. They need a refreshing. They need you full of joy. This is better preaching than your amening, but... I'm fine with that. No, it's fine. No, listen. Don't. Okay. Okay. Don't. Don't. Uh. What else is in his presence? Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but in me, or in my presence, you could say, you have what? Peace. You want to know why his presence is just so refreshing? There's peace in it. There's peace in it. What will make your presence refreshing? Why and how will somebody find rest as the result of you being there? Peace. It's refreshing to be around a peaceful person. 
Can I tell you something though? On the other hand, drama is draining. That's a word for somebody. Am I telling the truth? Drama is draining. When there's somebody who's constantly in a fight, constantly in a struggle, if it's not with this one, it's with that one, and they're constantly you know, on the phone or online or something's constantly going on, this constant upheaval, drama, 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 drama in their life. You get around that, and it's draining. Come on, church, let's not be that. I'm begging you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That's just a fancy way of saying, I'm begging you. Yield to some peace because people of peace are refreshing. Man, wouldn't you love to walk into a a situation that has no peace in it? People are panicked. They're frantic. They're running around not knowing where to go, what to do. Tina, I'm thinking about Tim when his dad passed just a few weeks ago, months ago now, I guess. And you guys went home. I remember talking to him. I said, brother, take peace. And did it happen? Here's a man of God. As far as I know, not called to the pulpit, unless there's something I don't know about. And yet he carried that peace. He carried that peace with him into that. And I don't know where the faith of the whole family was and is, but man, you want to be somebody like that. You step into a situation, particularly when there's been loss or death, and at a time like that, people have no idea what to do. What do we do with ourselves? And that's why they spin. That's why they toil. But when somebody, a carrier of the peace of God, walks in, a lot of times they don't even have to say anything. It comes with them. And people get around that. You know what they do? There's a rest that comes with it. That's why you don't come into a situation like that, frantic like everybody else, panicked like everybody else. Bring a steadiness. Bring a a constancy, a consistency. Bring some peace. In his presence is joy. In his presence is peace. I found this one. This one made me laugh. Luke chapter 1 verse 19. The angel said to a man named Zechariah, he said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you good news. What comes out of the presence of God? Good news. This is why his presence is refreshing. Why? Because you're getting punched in the face and in the gut with bad news all day long. What do you need? More of that? No. Good news. This is why his presence refreshes us because you never come into his presence and leave with bad news. It's always good. That's what you get from him. What are we getting from you? Are you the bearer of bad news like all the time? Because that's exhausting. If you've always got some bad report and yeah, I know stuff goes on in our lives. I get it. I know we have challenges. I know we have hard things that happen in our lives, our families, our relationships, our finances. I understand it. I get that. But one of the greatest steps and demonstrations of faith you will ever take or ever make is in the middle of that going on. Find some good news to share with somebody. Paul wrote a book called Philippians that is known as the Great Joy Book. You know where he was when he wrote that? Prison prison and he just preached joy you can do it you don't have to be the one with bad news all the time all the time all the time and it will get to the point now when people see you calling they think twice about picking up because they know there's bad news on the other end but if you're the bearer of good news and people know they can expect that from you they won't wait for you to call they'll be reaching out to you i just need some good news In the presence of the Lord, there's good news. That's why it's refreshing. What about in your presence? What about in mine? Good news. Guys, go ahead. I like this one. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, in the Weast translation, 
Jesus, it says, having turned his eyes upon them, having considered them, said to them, in the presence of men, as men look at this, it's impossible. But in the presence of God, as he looks at this, all things are possible. You want to know why God's presence is so refreshing to you? Because you come into the presence and a presence of God and what was formerly impossible just by being with him, everything that looked like you couldn't do it. Now, all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 wait, 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 we could do this. Hold on. We can do this. This is possible. That's refreshing. That is really refreshing because people are living lives staring down the barrel of impossible situations. And it's refreshing to be told, no, we can do it. That's why people love other people who have that kind of attitude. It is so refreshing to be around a can-do person. You see this guy right here playing this guitar right now? That's my brother-in-law, Jordan. He and his wife, Courtney, have been on our staff for a number of years now. And this is one of the things I appreciate about him. Anytime Sarah and I have come to them and said, hey, we want to do this. And we want to do it like this. He has never once looked at us and said, it can't be done. Even when he didn't know how to do it. And if he ever even got close to that, he'll call us back right away. He said, no, no, I take that back. I can do that. He's been quick to say, no, 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 we can do that. We'll get it done. We'll get it done just like that. You know how refreshing that is? Because most people spend their lives around other people going, oh, no, sorry. Nope. Next. Nope. Can't do can't do, nope, can't do it, can't do it, not gonna do it, can't do it. (laughs) How refreshing, come on, somebody say, how refreshing is it to be around somebody that says, oh, with God, all things are possible. Yeah, brother, we can do this. Come on, let's, let's, let's get into agreement right now. This is not impossible. I know what the doctor said, but this is not impossible. I realize what the banker said, but this is not impossible. I know what the lawyers are telling you, but it's not impossible. Come on. We've got a God who makes all things possible. Let's me and you go get in his presence and find out how to get this thing done. How refreshing. Faith is refreshing. Amen. This is why the presence of the Lord refreshes us. We know what we get out of it. What do we get out of yours? What are you getting out of mind? And one of the big desires we have for this church is that people would walk in all week long facing impossibilities, step into an atmosphere of faith and love and leave going, we can do this. I may not know all the details about how, when, why, but we can do this. Amen. Amen. That's refreshing. That is refreshing. Would you stand up on your feet? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I need a refreshing. Well, how are you going to get it? Huh? The presence of the Lord. We know that. Yes, absolutely. That's what this church is about. Singing praises, giving you the word that turns our attention to him. The more your attention's on him, the greater manifestation of his presence you have. But there's another way we get refreshed. It's by being refreshing. Everything's a seed. You need some refreshing? You already told me you did. You raised your hand. You said you're human. You need refreshing. Can I tell you what to do to get it? Sow some. Sow some refreshing. Be refreshing and you will be refreshed. Right? How do I be refreshing? Get some joy about you. Find something to be grateful, thankful for. Be a carrier of peace. Bring some good news into the situation once in a while. When nothing but bad news is being preached, you say, I got something to say. I got a God with whom all things are possible. And even if people don't know how to say it or, exp- how to say it or express it, they'll get around you and you know what they'll do? And they may even tell you later, you know what? That was so refreshing. Thank you. I needed that. I needed to hear that. It'll be like escaping the effects of heat. It'll be as though you come in the room and you're like a cool drink of water on a hot day. And this spiritual breeze will begin to blow. 
and people will find rest. And they may not know it was the presence of the Lord that did it. All they know is it's something you carry. Something you carry. What is that? Him, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.